Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Unfiltered Experience. It's Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the place where we bring you unfiltered conversations, either with just Scott and myself or amazing guests designed to hope and move your perspectives forward, create your confidence better, and give you a kick-ass, unforgettable life. I'm Christopher Roush, your No Excuses Coach, and I'm joined by... Scott Goyetz. He is yes, here with Christopher Roush. Yes, yes, yes. What's going on, brother? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. How you nice feeling? Day. How you doing? How's your week going? Uh, productive. That's my productive. word. The, the word productive. Yeah. You know, some of these weeks, you know, you're going through the motions, whatever. There's been a lot of production this week, and I'm looking forward to the, the calm after the storm. I'm looking forward to the relaxation after all the, the production. So, but okay. Yeah. You look calm. You look calm. Your your skin tone looks good. You look healthy. You look you look like you're just like you're like you're blooming with lavender. Uh, well, Chris, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I just drank a lavender drink by Ken Euphorics and they are not a sponsor. And I feel very relaxed. It's a it's the new thing out there um, in it's a company out of Austin. They sell it at all the Whole Foods and stuff. It's Ken Euphorics and they have all these drinks with different you know minerals and nutrients to kind of give you a uh, a soothing calm buzz without alcohol. So they're putting on all these good things. I tried one and uh, I feel good. I feel good. I'll get back to you. If nice. I lose a limb or something by midnight, I'll let you know. But, <laughs> if you uh, get up a pee, uh, pee purple, then you know that uh, maybe a little yeah. bit too much lavender. Yeah. I mean, normally we're having cocktails, flower. but now we're we're drinking water and lavender stuff. So, guys, you know, sometimes we show up here shitty and sometimes we don't. Just kidding. Um, do yes, yeah. Chris. We're doing our best. That's all you can do. <laughs> we're doing our best. We're doing our best. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as always, we just want to let you guys know that um we sponsor we help support help heal mm -hmm. humanity so um as always we ask you guys as our fee for this particular show um go check out helphealhumanity.org it's an amazing organization out there uh usa haiti cambodia and spain doing amazing stuff helping heal humanity so we would appreciate what you guys could do for us is go check out the website if you could volunteer if you could donate that would be amazing if you want to sponsor um a kid in school that would be absolutely phenomenal that's what we're doing right now is we're we're doing the enrollment for the kids in haiti so we need your help and we need your support so thank you guys we appreciate you and with that scott you have an idea for us to talk about something tonight what did that what would that be yeah, Chris, you know, we were going to bring on a guest, but instead, what I was thinking is instead of having a guest, let's do something. Let's give a gift to everybody in the audience because everybody here comes here for one reason. They come here to hang out with us, and that's a relationship in itself. You know, we get to have that beautiful relationship with all the people who show up, our family, our uh, unfiltered uh, crew. And so today I wanted to talk about what it means to be in a relationship and what it looks like to create great relationships. So the first question I'd like to ask you, because we talk about this all the time offline, is what do we need to do to create a great relationship? And what do you need to do personally to be part of that great relationship, Christopher Rausch? That is a great question, Scott. Go ahead. Um, what do we need to do? I think there's so many different ways to jump off on that. Let me think what comes to mind first. Um, I would say in order to have a great relationship, you need to have a great relationship with yourself. I mean, you know, I've been talking a lot about lately about the fact that I've been talking to these people and asking them the question, do you love yourself? Yes or no. And finding out a lot of people struggle with loving themselves. And so I ask them, how are your relationships? Do you have strong relationships or do you have relationships that are weaker or are more troubled? And of course, most of the time they say, well, a lot of them are pretty troubled. I may have one or two good ones. And so when you think about that, and I think about the relationship I have had with myself and the relationship I have with myself now, I can see where over time where my ego was involved or my sense of needing approval was so involved that the relationship really wasn't 
a true relationship. It was more uh, of a means to an end, so to speak. So now that I'm more confident in my own skin and confident in being who Christopher Rausch really is and loving myself and having respect for myself, now the relationships that I have and the people that I attract are just so much more enjoyable, real, authentic. They're, they're, they're into me for just me being me. I don't have to worry about what I say and what I do and how I act. So I think the first component really is to love yourself and to, to have a great relationship with yourself and to be able to, you know, for me, I think the, 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 the other part of that is to be able to be alone with yourself. That's something I'm going to be talking mm. about in, uh, in Clubhouse later on. And, uh, but I'm going to be talking about loneliness and the fact of how we deal with loneliness. So I think that's, that's for me is, is having that great relationship with yourself. And then it's just automatic, not automatic, but it's, it's more congruent to have a great relationship with somebody else. What do you I like? It. What's your, what's your thoughts? Um, I like what you said, you know, one of the things that, um, I think is so important is defining that self-love and that's all the stuff we do with go love now is is what does that look like and i think first and foremost we have to heal past trauma and figure out what the hell's wrong with me you know yeah. and there's nothing wrong with us of course it's just a response to our experience in the world you know you've had your stuff i've had my stuff and some of those trauma experiences create trauma bonds and then we call those relationships so to dive deep into this you know th this right here how many people do we know in our life? We're like, well, they do this and they do that. And it's not really a relationship. It's a trauma bond. It's a space to come and just say life sucks together versus exponentially grow together. So, so what do you think about that? Cause I look at so many people, like I can't send my girlfriend. I can't send this person. I can't send this person. I'm like, I don't know that you have any relationships. And the reason we're not as close, you know, not you and I, but somebody else, like the right. reason we are not as close is because I'm not going to be your trauma bond partner. I like you. I see value in a lot of the things that you say. I think you're a good person, but I can't help you with your healing. And I yeah. watch so many people walk around in that predisposition that they're like, well, why doesn't that person like me? Why isn't this? Because the people you're looking to really attach to or connect with or create relationships with don't want your trauma bond. What, what do you think about that? And what can we tell people if they're in that space and they don't see it? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I think when you were talking, it, it brought up the, the phrase that we've all heard, a misery loves company. Mm -hmm. And I think about the people that you associate with. We've talked about it here on the show, the Stephen Covey, the five people you're around the most. And you think about that. And I think for that, like you said, trauma bond, I think that that victimless association helps keep people back. So if they're sitting there in this group thing saying, oh, yeah, you know, the government's this and this is that and my job's tough and I've got all these things. And yeah, 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 we should go do some short term gratification to escape it all. Then you're just you're staying around that group think and then your relationships are you know basically codependent like oh this person will listen to me to bitch about this and that person will do this with me because i don't another other person won't do it they won't tolerate it like you're saying so i think it's really super important to for us all to step back and really look and identify the top five people that we were around the most and really yeah. ask ourselves do they promote me do they support me do will they be there at two o'clock in the morning if i'm drunk on a street corner you know think about who those five people are and just starting there and just really looking at and examining do they bring me joy? Do they bring me value? And if they don't start asking the question, why is it that I have this relationship with them? You know, and I've seen, and this is my own personal experience and the people I've coached, I've seen a lot of those situations that they have relationships with other people because they're trying to fix a relationship that they couldn't fix before. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the daddy relationships or the mommy relationships or stuff like that, I've seen it so many times. I'm like, who does that person remind you of? That's a great question when you ask somebody when they're thinking about it, who does that person remind you of? And if it takes them a while to, to, to come up with something, then that's a good sign. But that, oh, that person reminds me of my mom. Okay, 
So what are the similarities and why is it that you think you might still be with that person? What is it you're hoping to achieve? You know, maybe they want some sort of validation. I've seen people do that with their bosses. Their bosses resemble their mother and they're just dying to get that validation from their boss. They don't realize it, but the emotional tie so deep into it when I talk to them is that they're still trying to get the validation from their mother. It's not, it's about their boss in a sense, but it's a deeper meaning to nourish that. Like you said, that broken soul of that, that little boy or that little girl who's still trying to seek out justification and, and to know that they belong. Yeah, no, you're on point. I got another one for you, you know, along those lines. So let's just say there's two people in a trauma bond, or let's say there's two people who are in a relationship and there's some components of more trauma bonding, but there's also something that's been developed that's on the way to potentially being beautiful. Can you self heal within that while you're in that relationship? So whether it's, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, marriage, um, best friends, um, coworker that you see a lot, can you heal side by side? And if so, what would that look like? Whoa, that's a crazy question. I'm sitting there trying to ponder that in my brain. Instinctively, I say yes. But it's like uh, consciously, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, it's when I think about healing, I think about doing it in not isolation, but I think about doing it on my own, like really trying to get to the core of who Chris is, not needing any external validation or anything else and trying to do that. But my, my instinct says that, yes, you can. What do you, what do you think? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? That's a great question. This, this is a 50 hour answer. This would be a beautiful, you know, get like a bunch of people together who consider themselves semi-healed or relationship experts. And my first answer would be the best case scenario is to be independent in your healing, but yeah. that's not a realistic, you know, situation for many of us. Like you, you, I mean, think how like when people are like, you know, they're alcoholics and they, they say, I'm going to get off of, you know, drinking or drugs, or whatever they're doing. It almost seems like they've run away from everybody because their bond was, you know, the drugs, the alcohol. And yeah. so what about if the bond is just, you know, bitching about the world or whatever? Like you could literally just lose all your friends. So I would say some of the things that, you know, that we do, like, you know, the men's retreat I'm doing this weekend, you know, for you know, we've got a group that's right here in Spicewood, Texas, we're going to go to. Those are the kind of things where you look deeply at yourself and you can do some healing and then step back into a relationship. So like anything else, how broken is the relationship? How much of it is literally just friction and just created out of something that's not positive? And then is there anything that's been built that truly is, you know, empathy, truly is listening, truly is support, truly is some love there that's not just, you know, sexual attraction, but it's something more. So I guess my I, I, I think you can do it. And I think it depends on the individuals. But I think. Man, it's really, it's like, I, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm doing right now? Because yeah, you know how my brain works. Uh, I'm literally looking at different people in my life saying, could they do it? Could they do it? They yeah, do it? that's doing what I was doing. I'm running percentages in my brain. I'm like, um, I could do it, but I don't know if X, Y, and Z could do it. And it depends on the relationships. Because I've had mm -hmm. past relationships that, like, I look at points in my life. There's no way in hell. Like, there's, there's people I dated or friends where they just, it had to end. It had to end. It was so toxic yeah. because there was just... We, we were both just like eating each other alive. Like literally it had to end. And I look back, I still love those people. I really do. I just mm -hmm. cannot be part of their existence. We were not good for each other. Um, you know, what do you always say? It's uh, for a moment or what is it? For a reason, a, a season or a lifetime. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That has helped a lot of people lately. I'd, I'd yeah. completely forgotten it, but yeah, that's so true. Beautiful. Yeah. So when you so, think about when you think about your relationships, what is what is the one have been the most challenging relationship that has taught you the most? My marriage. Work, work, okay. Yeah, my my marriage, um, and not challenging in a in a negative way because 
Because here's the thing, you can be a very complacent individual and we talk about it all the time. You know, you talk about being in survival mode or, or thriving mode right. and we could have walked through this life and just done what we're supposed to do and just kind of be on cruise control and not say everything you're really thinking. But over time, we've had these little spaces where, you know, this happened or this happened and, you know, these moments that are private to us, but like growth opportunities where it's like, well, why did that happen? Like, well, what, what went wrong? And it's like, well, we didn't, it was always one answer, Chris, always one answer. We weren't communicating the truth in that moment. Yeah. We were feeling something or we were like, well, maybe this or maybe that. And instead of just talking through it and there was a potential solution that we could grow together, we kind of said, well, I didn't want to upset you or I don't, you know, and it was always the same Egg bullshit. Shells, potato chips. Always shell. the same bullshit. And so, and this is with all relationships of mine. Like you, you have those, you know, like, well, I don't want to upset you or well, I didn't know I could talk to you about that or I don't want to, like, it's some bullshit. It's, it's always mm -hmm. communication. And, and it's a two-way street on that, that we know it is. I think that one, for me, I always end up finding compassion and empathetic people that are my friends because that's Mary myself. Right. And we get overly empathetic, don't want to hurt each other. And we don't do the one thing that you and I always talk about is that accountability, you know, right. the team, the, the, the person you could trust, the person who enthusiastically energizes you, the, the accountability person, the mentor, that accountability person, no one wants to be it. And the people I end up being friends with, I don't find friends who are accountability partners. I friends, find friends, we will support each other. So I got a ton of the energizers, people I can trust and the mentors. And there's very few that will be the accountability people. And that's probably by design to protect my own ego. And so right. <laughs> seriously, yeah. I just don't feel like being hurt. You know, it's right. probably something from childhood. So, yeah. I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I mean, that's what relationships are about. I mean, that's what growth is about. And that's what we teach here on the show is the fact that yeah. we got to be aware. I mean, I think it's about the awareness. And I think the other component of it, realistically, for me, in my relationships as have been have my real have my expectations been realistic like when you sit there and you think yeah. like okay well everybody has common sense and so you kind of just negate the fact that you don't need to tell somebody the common yes. sense things but you know like to your point you know that open and honest communication be able to say hey listen you know something's bugging me right now Do I, can i have a moment of your time and you know nothing major but you know here's something that's going on you know, we could just spend five minutes and get something cleared up right away. But instead, what we do is we sit there and we hold it and we hold it and it builds up and it builds pressure. And then like in the case of my wife and I, you know, passive aggressiveness, we just like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You yeah. tuck it in, you tuck it in and tuck it in. And then one day that big deal all of a sudden just goes boom. And you're like, well, remember this and remember that. And then all of a sudden you're playing Monday morning quarterback and all that other stuff. So I think about making sure that you have the expectations with that relationship to be able to say, okay, listen, I need you to be an accountability partner every once in a while. I need you to do this. I've gone to my wife and said, Hey, listen, do me a favor every week and ask me how much, how much, how many words have I written? You know, ask me to see what I've written, hold me accountable. She's not that type of person. She doesn't want to do it. She's like, why do I have to hold you accountable? You're a fucking coach. You, you hold yourself accountable. So I think having the expectations, especially for me in the work environment, I've had challenged relationships in the work environment, egos and everything else going on. But when I've been very intentional and set the, set the expectation of, of, the open and honest communication, you know, if it's something I'm doing, please let me know. I've done that with my staff. I've done that with coworkers, you know, please let me know. Don't sit there in quiet desperation hoping, wishing and praying that I change communicate with me and let's talk about those expectations. And that's one thing that I had to do. I had a tough relationship when I worked in corporate with a new boss and you know, it was e his ego and it was just all this different stuff. And finally I just had to go into his office and say, listen, I need to set the expectation for how I need to be treated, how I prefer to be treated versus the way you are treating me, because I don't know if you know it, but it's making me feel inferior. It's making me feel belittled, etc." He's like, Oh my God, I didn't realize that. So just going in there and having that open and honest communication, then setting the expectation and then be able to go back and address that expectation if it's not being met. 
Yeah. I mean, no, I, you're, you're so on point there. And the word that I've been playing with um, in that realm is boundaries a lot. Is, yeah. is creating boundaries, but not boundaries so much for, for limiting the relationship, just the opposite. Um, having a sky's the limit, you know, series of boundaries and, and push boundaries together. Like, hey, what if this or what if that? Or do we really need to do this? Or could we buy that? Or could we, you know, and it could be the stuff that's, you know, anything. But yeah. creating boundaries that are like they're challenging us so that we're not stagnant and complacent together but that we're both dreaming together because now you have the twice the energy manifesting the things that you potentially want or might've feared and said, Hey, you know what? Maybe I, I see how that could play out, but for whatever reason, you have this preconceived notion you can't. And we've been doing that left and right, you know, in our relationship. And then the same thing, even with friends where you're challenging boundaries, like, Hey, you know, why does that have to be the way it is? Why does this have to be the way it is? And it's, I love that idea of, of creating boundaries, not for limits, but for a container that mm -hmm. you can actually be even bigger within. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. I mean, I, I, that's a good way of putting it because sometimes we often think of, like you said, in limiting forms, but there is that expansive aspect of it and being able to have that. And I think, you know, in relationships, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, one of the challenges that, that I'm curious to understand your perspective on when I, I say comparison is the enemy of success, I say that quite oftenly, mm -hmm. quite often. I don't know if oftenly is a word. Um, when I think about comparison and relationships, sometimes I think about it in a good way, like comparison, like if I'm, I'm comparing myself to Scott and like, okay, Scott's doing these things. Okay. I need to raise my game. I need to be doing those things. In those cases, I think the comparison is actually good, but obviously we know that when we compare ourselves to somebody who is successful, we don't know exactly what they're going through and everything else. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that in comparison and relationships? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Or is it how, how you perceive it? I think I, I think um, you know, the word comparison by nature means you're like you're, you're comparing. So you're setting yourself to say I'm not enough. If, but but if you said it like this, exploring the ideas of something somebody else is doing so I can go even further. Well, then, yeah, it makes total sense. Like, I, I mean, think about it. Like if you said like, hey, I just um, tried this new drink or hey, we went to this new campsite or hey, we're going to. I, I want to do it, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> there's some comparison there. But what you're doing is you're inspiring me. And yeah. so I think that's very, you know, mentor, like even if it's a vertical or horizontal mentor, we can sit there and support one another by going, hey, that's badass. I want to do that. You know, I want to try what you tried or I want to be like you in that capacity. Or I mean, here's the thing, too. We don't always have to be experiential learners. We don't need to fail and smack our face on the ground like we did when we were 20 nonstop. If you do something that doesn't work out, <laughs> I might say, hey, shit, I don't want to do it. If you do something that works out, I'll go, thanks for going before me and vice right. versa. Like that's. I think that's beautiful. I think it's, again, if we're doing it to say, I want to be stronger, I want to be taller, I want to be richer, I want to be, then it's bullshit. But if we're doing it because there's an idea of growth that's going to create a better container, yeah, I think it's beautiful. I think we should all do that. Explore, hey, what are they doing that I haven't tried yet? Or what are they doing that I'm not there yet? And just very growth mindset oriented. Mm, yeah, no, I love that. The other thing I think about is conflict in relationships and how we address conflict in relationships. What's that? What's been that been like for you? You know, because you were in the corporate space as well, college and everything else. Do you have conflict with any of your coworkers or anything? And how did you handle those those conflicts? Totally blew it. Or even, totally even in your marriage. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah to totally blew it and totally mastered it on many occasions. And, and and I'll go back to one very simple thing: look closely at yourself. Look at what your triggers are because. You know, Eckhart Tolle talks about it and um, a million people have said the same thing, more or less, so many philosophers, but it's that whole thing of whatever you don't like in somebody else most yeah. likely is within you. I mean, I was just saying it? that this morning. 
Yeah. So, so most of the conflict that you're having, you're like, well, that person's a liar. And so I'm sitting here going, you know, I'm not going to deal with that person. They're disgusting. They're a liar. Well, it's a shitload of animosity. Like, like, what do I want to shoot them? Cause they lied. And, and I'm bringing that heat. So, so where's that coming from? Could, could I have lied before? And it really bothers me. And yeah. maybe I'm, maybe I'm not lying anymore, but there's, there's little Scotty liar who you never want to be again. And so in that lesson, I feel like I'm supposed to be the savior and teach the world instead of what do I really want to do? I just want to be the light and go out there and be the player who doesn't lie. Just go out there and don't lie. If you don't like liars, you don't need to crucify the person who lied. And so that's what I, I find the conflicts I failed in were clearly things that I may have healed, but not learned to find a lesson. So maybe I'm no longer lying. Maybe I'm no longer cheating. Maybe I'm no longer doing whatever the thing is that I hate so much. Right. But now I've got to learn the final lesson by not wanting to attack those people because they're doing it, but be the difference by showing them a better way. And so those that I've blown own opportunities for lesson. Those that I've mastered are in the awareness of what I just said from like Eckhart Tolle's quote, looking and saying, oh, I'm feeling some massive tension right now. How can I handle this better? Because this is my shit and not their shit. You know, and that's that's where I've started to succeed. So I think most of my success in that has come through the wisdom of understanding me and the failure is blaming everybody else for my own shit. Ah, see, mine's mine's been reversed. Mine has been learning again from Stephen Covey, the Mm. seek first to understand, then to be understood aspect. But I've had to and before I got to that part, I had to sit there. And one of the first things I had to do in my relationships because of how I was raised with my mother well, she was very short, sarcastic, straight to the point, honest, didn't give a fuck about anything. I'm just going to tell you what's up. And so that's how I was originally, you know, raised. That's how I was. My original reaction was when somebody said something like, are you fucking kidding me? So then I had to start <laughs> putting that, that pause button, that pause button and saying, okay, Chris, are you responding? Or are you reacting? Is this an emotional, emotional situation? And I had a, I had a perfect situation that happened at work. I went up to the sales guys and the distribution guys and the sales guys had to work together really closely. And I went up there one day when I was young and still like, a, I think I was a brand new supervisor. And I was very critical of them giving away free product or giving away uh, free freight because I paid the freight budget. And so one day I went up there and I started talking to all the sales guys and they just started ridiculing me and just kind of giving me shit. And I was just like, what? And I just like blew up. I just didn't handle it right. I, I got reactive and they're like, whoa, dude. And I stormed off like a little fucking shit. And then I had to go back. I finally got back to my office. I'm like, what did I just do? You know, I just took that person. I felt like I was on the school playground and all the kids were laughing at me or whatever. They were just giving me a hard time because like, oh, here comes the Patty police. He's not going to let us have freight. And, you know, I've been very serious. I've been very nice with them. But I went back down to my office and I felt like an ass. I'm like, all right, I've already made an ass out of myself. What can I do? And I'm like, you can march your ass back up there and apologize. So I marched my ass back up there and apologized. And they were all apologetic. And we got to understanding one another. And they're like, well, from our perspective, you know, we're trying to take care of the customer, but you're constantly nickeling and diamond saying, you can't do this. You can't do this. You, Chris, you have to understand we have to do stuff for the customer. We have to spend that money. And, and unfortunately, it comes out of your budget, but, you know, it's all for the greater good. And so we started having that dynamic conversation. I didn't see it as them stealing from me or taking from me. And they could see from me that I have a budget that I'm held accountable for the numbers. And so we were able to seek to understand and then to be understood. But out of that situation, I've learned that when I'm in a heated moment where I feel like I'm going to react, I simply sit there and say, you know what, that's an interesting point. Out of careful consideration of our relationship and everything else, let me think about that and let me get back to you. That's I mean, I think that's like my usual canned my my canned response to be able to sit there and say, okay, wow, I don't want to say something that I'm gonna regret because once that word leaves my mouth, I can't reel it back in. I can't I can't change the intent or the meaning of it necessarily. So now I'm just very careful about how I say that. And then sometimes I sit there and realize like 
Chris, it's not that big of a deal. You're making this out, you're making this out to be about you when it's not even about you. So I've, those are some of the things that I've learned in, in those situations. And, and you know, it's an amazing point there. That's even, um, I know you love Victor Frankl too, you know, talking about man's search for meaning. He always talks about one of his beautiful quotes and I never remember exact quotes. I remember the premise was he was talking about an event or some kind of a, you know, something that happens, any kind of an event that could be good, bad or ugly. It doesn't matter. That space between that and your reaction is where everything occurs. And you just said the exact same thing. So yeah. that's where the power to create your own peace comes from. And if you create your own peace, what do you think a good byproduct of that is? People are going to want to be around you. You're going to have better relationships. So the answer to this whole conversation could lie in exactly what you just said. If we can start, we've got to heal some of our trauma, but the way to start doing it is every time we have an event, deep breath, we talk about breathing all the time, you know, whatever breathing you want to do to calm your own nervous system and say, I'm going to wait on that and make a decision that I'm going to keep my peace. So if something horrible happens when you react you give in to those around you. When you respond, now you've taken the peace and that's how you control your own destiny. And even in a place where you're in Auschwitz or whatever, you know, for Viktor Frankl to find peace there and be able to take control of he, his word was, that's where he took control of his own freedom. Mm. And, and that's incredible. I remember that verbatim because I remember going, wow, he took control of his own freedom. So maybe the trick of relationships is finding that space post event before reaction and creating your own freedom and then the irony of we think we're stuck in relationships. Oh, no, wow. uh, we've created a freedom within the relationship because we made the choice to respond. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's I mean, that's that's how we do it. We build upon each other. I want to question. I got a question for you. What when you think about relationships and communication, and everything else, what is like one of the biggest pieces of advice you could give to somebody that we haven't given them already today? Relationship advice. We've talked about conflict management, talked about the different things, getting to know yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I like so far, I like what you, you know, the thing that you were just saying is just that like these think first. Um, another good piece of advice. I, I would say this, especially because, you know, anybody who's planning on entering a new relationship, looking for new friends, about to get into a new place of employment, looking for a new partner, you know, whatever it is. I would just say, love yourself more. I mean, I know it's the the lame, obvious one from Go Love Now. And what I mean by that is have enough self-discipline to do the things that you need to do to come into that relationship with a full cup. Yeah. So if that's, you know, eat healthy, if that's get a good night's sleep, if that's work a few hours less at work, whatever it is for you to have that full cup, um, I would say it's obvious, but sometimes like we said about communication, mm -hmm. is it? Yeah. You can't <laughs> so I'm going to give the obvious answer. And maybe it's not obvious. So yeah, take it. <laughs> what about what about you? What other? So we got two good ones there. What else? Um, I think for me, listening, like really truly listening. I think about the the relationships that I've coached people on, and the fact of what we all have is selective hearing disorder. We're not paying attention. We're kind of on our phone. We hear somebody talking. They say thirty words. We catch fifteen of them. We got okay. I got fifteen. Okay, I I know what it is. I don't want to tell them that I wasn't paying attention. So I got it. Yep, I got it. And then there's that misunderstanding. So I think for me, especially in my personal relationship, especially is being able to say back to my wife. So here's what I understand you saying. You really, really like me to do this and do this because it would make you feel like this. And then the outcome would be this, right? Yes. Oh my God, you got it. And then she feels validated. She feels like she, she was heard. 
Um, whereas opposed to like, you know, you sit there and you say something, if you don't clarify it, then you go do the wrong thing. Then you've got that animosity because you could have sat there and checked in with it. So I think for me, like really, truly listening and paraphrasing back to somebody, what they said is one of the greatest gifts that you can give them because hopefully in turn, and I've seen this, um, in more cases than not, they'll do the same respect for me. Or I'll ask them to, I'm like, Hey, listen, I really paid attention to what you were saying. I need you to do the same thing for me. Can you do that for me? Or is now a bad time? And so that's, that's, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's one of the things that I've learned and people sit there and know that I take it very seriously, especially in the corporate space. I was very deliberate in my emails. I mean, that's another form of communication and relationships. I was very deliberate in my emails. If it was a touchy subject or if I was, you know, having to implement a new rule, I would read it out loud and make sure that my tone was okay. Because again, there's, you know, 85% of all communications through body language. And when you write an email, there's no body language in there. All that person can hear is like, oh, he's fucking telling me to do something again. Whereas like I sit there and read it. I try to make a joke. Da, da, da. Hey, I hope you understand da, da, da. we need to do this. I need your participation, blah, blah, blah and send it. And, and I got compliments on my emails all the time because people said it sounded like the way I talk. And that's what I was trying to do. And then my new, new boss that I don't have anymore, obviously. Um, she said, Chris, we need to talk about how you write your emails. They're too fluffy. I was like, <laughs> fuck you oh man you know so, yeah. you, you made me so so the listening is super super crucial and then there's the other obvious one that we've mentioned before too and i think the obvious ones are the best ones how do you want me to show up right now yeah so when the person comes to you with some sort of emotion one. sadness anger whatever how do you want me to show up do you want me to just listen do you want me to offer advice do you want coach scott do you want cuddle hug scott like what do you want right now and and and, and you know that like it, it doesn't need to feel condescending. Like it needs to feel like, like you tell me how I can deliver what you need in this moment because, because you know, our go-to is whatever our go-to is. I'm mm-hmm. always like, Oh, I got an idea. This will help. And people yep. like, shut the fuck up. Like, like <laughs> I just wanted you to hear me. And then other times people are like, Oh, thank you so much. That saved my life. So asking the question is super crucial, super easy, but we don't do it. Okay. I don't do it enough. I, when I do it, I'm like, that was genius. So yeah, I did there's it. another one. Yeah, let's, all, get, let's get one more. Let's get five. What else? We, you got? We've done, we've done that in the house now. Like she knows that I'm going to be coach Chris all the time. So mm-hmm. she'll be like, I want to tell you something, but I just need you to listen. I'm like, there Thank you go. You. That, that came out of the communication process. Like, you know, one of the greatest gifts that I got in relationships was my ex-girlfriend bought me the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are, Women are From yeah. Venus, um, Michael Gray, Paul Gray, somebody, somebody Gray. Um, that book like woke me the F up. It was like, wow, Chris, you don't need to fix everything. Like the guys want to fix everything and the girls just want to listen. And sometimes I'm kind of like the girl and sometimes not like, not like the guy, but just knowing that and just really like just being aware that we don't need to fix everything. And that sometimes people just want to vent. And I do that with my wife. I'm like, oh my God, I got something to tell you, but I just, I just want to vent. Cause if I don't, then she'll be like, well, you should have done this. And I'm like, I don't want to fucking get my ass kicked again. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, relationships are, are are so incredible and they can be so dynamic, but I don't know. One other piece of advice. You got one? All right, let's see a fifth one. I mean, here's another obvious one again, is know their love language. Like, oh, yeah. I, like the, I, love I, think the, I think the most, you know what it is? I'm, I'm my brain, my brain today. Okay, it's listen, I'm on the lavender. I'm like high on the lavender. I'm, I'm sitting here like, woo. Um, but I keep trying to go too deep. That's, I mean, just, just no love languages. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's crazy because, you know, I'm it's sitting cool. here and I'm like, the only thing that matters in relationships, because my love languages, it's all about time. It's quality time. Um, it's 99% quality time. I don't care about gifts. I could care less about anything else. All my wife wants me to do is acts of service. 
if she comes by and the dishes are done and she sees me like like wiping something up and she catches tail end of it, she's like, damn. Sexy baby. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I'm like, are you shitting me? Like, are you serious? <laughs> I'm like, what about that? I just took you to this hotel. We had a beautiful, she goes, I don't care about that. You just right. did the dishes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and it's not like that. I, I, it's a special thing, but it doesn't matter. Anything I'm doing there, I'm like, hey, do you want a massage or whatever? She lights up. And, mm -hmm. and you know what's crazy? I know that, and she knows my love language, and we fail miserably because, and not always, again, right. we, we're constantly doing things, but it's it's almost like we forget because we're moving, we're moving, we're, we're, we get on autopilot, and, and we, I shouldn't say we fail miserably. I feel like by now, not gonna watch it anyway. no, I, no, it doesn't matter, but I feel like now we should get it 100% of the time, but it just proves that our unconscious mind is 90% of our existence because even though I know my unconscious mind is still saying, well, everybody loves, you know, quality time because that's what I love. Even though when I consciously think, oh, no, that's what she likes, I'm just on autopilot going through the motions. So yep. even though we teach this, even though we preach this, we still get sucked into the reality that builds our life in our subconscious mind. So I mm -hmm. think that's a good fifth one. Yeah, that's a great book, The Five, love, five mm -hmm. love Languages. And to your point, I actually was thinking about this not too long ago with my situation, my wife and everything. And I was like, you know, it might be a good idea every couple of years, maybe not every year, but every couple of years, break the book out, go back through it, make sure the love language is still the same and there make you sure you're checking in. Like, how have I been doing this last year? Like, and that's one thing that I did going that's back great. to expectations, going back to expectations. I forgot to share this years and years ago, Barb and I were having some, some challenges the way before Jackson came aboard. And I'd done the expectations exercise at work where I met with everybody and asked them what their expectations were for me, for their job, for their coworkers and for the company. Amazing outcome. And so I took her out to dinner. I made sure I didn't do it in, in at the house. I took her out to dinner and I said, okay, what are your expectations of me? And I remember she gave me eight and I had a pen and paper and I wrote them down and I said, okay, here's, cause I want to make sure that again, seeking first to understand, are they realistic expectations? Absolutely. Have I been nailing them? Not necessarily. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Well, give me another six months and let me see what I can do. The surprising aspect of that was she didn't ask me what my expectations were of her, which is fine. But um, but the fact of being able to go back and revisit those things regularly can help keep us have a pulse check that we're not taking things, we're not being complacent, we don't have to fall back into old habits and old routines because again, oh, this is what I like and she must like that as well. My final piece of advice goes back to a guy named Randy Pausch. You ever did you ever hear of Randy Pausch? Mm -hmm. So not Roush, but Pausch. Randy Pausch, he wrote uh the last lecture of Carnegie Mellon. Car Carnegie Mellon University. It was, a, it was a book that came out years and years ago. And for some reason, I stumbled upon him. And if you go on YouTube, you guys can find it. It's uh, uh, Randy Pausch, Carnegie Mellon University, and he's dying of pancreatic cancer. And so he's talking about, you know, how we start to live when we know we're going to die and da, 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 all this different stuff. But as a component of that book, he talks about the apology. So our, my last piece of the relationship advice is the apology isn't, I'm sorry, or I'm sorry, or I'm sorry. He talks about the apology as, I'm sorry. It was my fault. What can I do to make it better? That last part, that last part has been golden for me. Like just to be able to go to work and say, Hey, listen, you know, I fucked up. I apologize. What can I do to make it better? Or in a work case situation, coming with a couple of suggestions like, Hey, listen, I know I screwed up the budget. I missed it by $50,000. Here's some areas that we can cut, you know, come apologize my fault. Here's the way to fix it. And he talks about that, you know, so often we forget that or we don't, we're not sincere in our apologies. And so if we're not sincere in our apologies, how can we expect to have that strong relationship? How can we expect that person to walk away feeling understood, feeling heard, feeling, feeling appreciated, feeling, you know, a, a void filled because you've apologized and you've apologized and meant it. So 
that's my big advice is just to be able to say, Hey, listen, I'm sorry. It was my fault. What can I do? Be earnest about it. You know, go, go into detail. Like, Hey, listen, I realized I screwed this up. I screwed up. Let that person know that you're aware of what you did and how you did it and let them know that you're going to make amends to not do it again. And if you're not perfect, ask them to guide you and ask them to support you. And I think that's one of the greatest pieces of relationship advice I've learned in being able to go back. Not that I have to apologize that much, thank God. But, uh, you know, yeah. when I have had to apologize, people are blown away like, by the fact that you say, hey, what can I do to make it better? I love that. No, I think that's beautiful. And that's going to bring some peace. And you know, what's, you know, it's something I know you notice as well is, are you embodying that? You know, yeah. when somebody speaks, like, I mean, even if you didn't ask that question, but if you literally just said, man, I'm really sorry. Like, you can feel like, like, I mean that versus, bro, I'm sorry. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, you're just trying to get to that. You're just trying to get past that. Like, right. and, and there's something about ownership and I'm a person who listens to other people, but much more, I'm, I'm feeling your energy. And so yeah. when someone says something to me and I'm like, I don't believe him, you know, I, I'll say this, I'm right. Probably 95% of the time. And the person who introduced us was one of the few people I've been wrong with misread, gave him way too much credit. <laughs> Shane. <laughs> so, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, so, I was like trying to remember. I think yeah, it's and, Shane, I, and, and 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 listen, you know, we all have our issues too. Like, like I'm not even putting anything bad with you know. It, here's the deal: people are people. Everyone's doing their best. But the bottom line is, I misread that. Ninety percent of the time, like, great energy, truthful, dishonest. I blew that one. Totally blew yeah. that one. Do you get your students apologizing to you much? Uh, yeah. And some, I will say this kids nowadays, I feel like are, you have a few that are full of crap, but mostly like the people are the younger people are just pretty, pretty awesome. I think Yeah, they're making mistakes and they're, they're failing forward and I love them. Yeah. Maybe I'm just lucky. Future of America. That's what we were talking about the other day. We were having a long discussion about the state of politics and everything else. And somebody said that they work with a lot of youth and they said the youth is the youth isn't going to tolerate this. They're not going to tolerate the, you know, the racism and everything else. So we just got to We got to get the youth into office and get them out there. So I'm glad that they're recognizing and, and being apologetic and, and growing as they are learning. So I wouldn't want to be them in this day and age. But uh, wow, what a powerful conversation, Mr. Goyette. Great idea. Talking about communication. And thank you for being an awesome part of that. I think we get we get six beautiful, beautiful ideas for people to receive and go. So hopefully they're going to go use these things. I mean, even if you take any one of those and put that into practice, you're going to do far better in your relationships immediately. Any one of those will support you in a great way. Yes, yes. And for you guys out there in viewer land and listener land, what would you add to the list in the comments, whether you're watching live or on the replay, put in the comments, what piece of advice yes. maybe that we forgot, maybe something that you've learned along the way that has helped you become successful and have more amazing relationships. We want to hear from you guys. Let us know. And as always go to www.theunfilteredexperience.com, theunfilteredexperience.com. Go check it out. Come and join our Facebook community, our group. Let us know who you want on the show. What kind of guests, what kind of topics when Scott and I are free flowing like this and just picking something, let us know what you guys want to hear because this is for you. This is a conversation with you guys in the comments, in the, in the community. That's the reason why Scott and I do it. That's why you don't see commercials and ads and things of that nature. This is just a conversation between you guys and us to help elevate the, the world and, and create a better place for our kids and our kids' kids. And we just appreciate you guys being here every single week. Appreciate you guys. Any final thoughts, Mr. Goyat? I'm just going to end it since we talked about relationships. Well, I love you guys. <laughs>
We love you. We love you. We love you. I love you, Scott. I appreciate you, brother. Go out there, be awesome. Go out there and be kick ass. Uh, be a part of the unfiltered crew and go again to unfiltered unfiltered the unfiltered experience.com. Yes. And we appreciate you guys. We'll see you here next Friday night, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Put it in your calendar, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And be sure to connect with Scott and myself. You can connect with Scott at scottgoyette.com and you can connect with me at christopherrausch.com. We'd love to help and support you guys. So appreciate you guys. We'll see you here next week on the unfiltered experience.